Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. And once again, we'd like to welcome you to show number 29. Middle-Aged Warriors with Rick Summers and my good friend Chris Semino, who's sitting at another computer in a distant location at this point. Yeah, we're separated again. Not for any particular reason other than uh, just our schedules didn't quite line up. But uh, I trust being in your company at a safe distance, of course. I think it's funny that people are shopping for Halloween costumes and they're like, what mask am I going to wear? You don't have a whole lot of choice. There should be. I, I was thinking of making a mask that would be the bottom part of your face that's normally covered by a mask. So it's a picture of that. So when you're wearing the mask, it looks like it's you're not face. wearing a mask. That's a great yeah, idea. Because that's kind of the inverse of what, you know, where we are right now, instead of wearing a mask for Halloween, unmask yourself, but still mask yourself in a safe way. But um, I was thinking of maybe doing that, but I, I might be too late, maybe next year. And I'm getting more used to wearing it. I wish I could say that. Although, you know, I was, I was um, talking to some people the other day and apparently Hormel is coming out with a oh, um, bacon, bacon smelling mask. Bacon scented mask. Yeah. But <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> bacon, bacon, bacon. Like I don't dislike anything that smells like bacon, quite frankly. So um I don't know. <laughs> I might I might try that one out. <laughs> it could work. You know, as tough as it's been for all of us warriors, and I put that in quotes, it must really suck to be a kid or a college student right about now. I think about kids getting ready for Halloween, college students getting cheated out of their college experience. And I just, you know, I'm glad we're the age we are having to go through this because I don't know how I'd feel if I was 22 years old and thinking, well, I got another another 60 years in this. Well, you know, not even that. And, and the point really being that those years, things happen in your life that only happen once. For us at our age, we miss a year, we miss a few months, we're, we're pretty much in a rhythm already that's been long established. There's not that much uniqueness to what happens when you're 52, 49, 56, 58, 61. It's like, okay, it's just another year. But right. when you're 18 and you're graduating high school, you have a prom and it's high school graduate. That stuff only happens once. You're only in college usually for that four-year <laughs> period. Uh, you know, or unless you're on the five or six-year program, like some kids I know. Uh, not mine, thank goodness. But the point is those particular years, the trick-or-treating years for that matter, any of that stuff, they're very limited. It only happens at a specific time. You can't make up for that later in life. We can at, at our age, not that I like losing any time to something that's keeping me from living the way I really want to live, but you're absolutely right. For kids and, and, and young adults experiencing that unique moment in life and having it not happen as it traditionally would or as they expected it would, it's that's a tough disappointment because they can't really make it up. We're having dinner with friends tonight, and they're empty nesters. Both their girls are away at college. One is in upstate New York, and the other one is down at Tulane in New Orleans. And both of those kids have been treated out of such an experience in going through this, as you had alluded to, the prom um, and I, I think about that all the time. I think about my senior year in high school. Uh, I live actually relatively close to where I grew up. And I drive by the high school every now and then. And I get really kind of weepy and nostalgic 
without sounding like a wuss, but it's just, I can't imagine what it must be like to be a student and being shortchanged on so many different levels now. And for parents who see their kids being shortchanged, how awful is that? Well, you know, and again, the, the, the issue with a lot of the colleges too becomes because it is such a social environment, how do you prevent them from really socializing? And there have been issues and there have been outbreaks and there have been shutdowns of certain <clears throat> universities. So, you know, it, it's a, it's a big challenge. It really is. It's a big sacrifice, uh, but everybody's kind of dealing with it. It's impacting their lives in, in one way or the other, whether, whatever the age might be, whatever the case might be. But uh, let's hope we can get on the other side of this uh, sooner than later. Let's put it that way. You know, last week we did something new on the show with Billy Van Zandt, who was uh, a joy to talk with, and it was a lot of fun. We did the lightning round last week, and we also talked about how we need to get you, our listener, a little more activated in our show, because we count on you. Uh, we love your comments. It's unbelievable some of the nice things that people have written to us. We want to push our email addresses and ask you if you would please just... uh let us know where you are, if you have any questions or any thoughts or criticisms or, or anything else. So you can reach us at, Chris, go ahead. Uh, well, we have a couple. It's middleagewarriors at gmail.com. So it's middle age, not aged, <laughs> middleagewarriors at gmail.com and also middleagewarriors at yahoo.com, if that's your preference. You can hit either one of our Facebook pages as well. I know, uh, Rick, you have one, I have one, and you want to drop a note or a line there. What we really would love to hear is uh, what you'd like us to talk more or less about. What do you like about the show? What don't you like about the show? I hate to invite negativity, but hey, why not? Because that's the only way we learn how to fix things and, and make this product better for you. Here we are at the end of October. I can't believe it's almost in the rearview mirror. And I wanted to spend a little time, or we called this show, coming up for for fresh air, catching our breath. And Chris, you've been a prolific writer for the last couple of years and have posted some really, really unique and interesting points of view on blogs that you have written. And I wanted to talk to you about what you and I were talking about. We had lunch earlier this week in New York, and we were talking in great length about this uh, blog that you had put up. And I I don't want to mistitle it, but it was based on lost in life. Yeah, well, first of all, calling me a prolific writer. Have you been sniffing glue today? No, uh, but, I, <laughs> but I certainly do appreciate that. Uh, yes, I have a blog. It's what it's called What's Next Chris, and it's at chrisminoweather.com. But the blog that you're talking about, and it really did it it got a large amount of feedback and response and I was a little surprised at it, but what triggered it, I was actually listening uh, to another podcast and the podcast was called where's the grief. And for people who don't know a little bit of my life story and background, I was married for 32 years with the same woman for 40 years. And uh, my wife passed away tragically from uh, a blood cancer about almost five years, four and a half years ago uh, at the age of 54 years old. So I've been dealing with that process and I've moved on, but this particular podcast, they had a couple of gentlemen talking about that themselves and what the process was like. And I had posted, I do this cooking show, a little cooking segment, as you know, as well with my now present girlfriend and the feedback's always very positive. 
And somebody wrote in, you know, as they always do, I'm so glad to see you happy. And then somebody followed that with a little too soon, if you ask me. Well, we and, didn't ask you. Well, that was number one, my first response. And then I just sort of, I'm like, okay, I'm not really, I don't really want to engage in this. And I just said, you really don't know my story. You don't know the situation. That might've been a little rude. That was followed by, well, I can't imagine what your, what your children think. Now that kind of pissed me off, to be honest, because now you're getting really personal into my life. And my children who are 26 and 31, they're not children, they're adults. The relationship I have with them and how they feel about this whole thing and losing their mother and how their father's handling it, that's, that's very personal. That's my story. That's my path. Well, bottom line was she got bombarded, this woman, by other, and I thank all of the very positive, supportive people I've had since day one. Yeah, I got an idea. Let's give her email address out here and now. No, and well, but I, will tell, but I will tell you this. So I, you know, as I normally do, I did a little research on this person, and she quickly, once she received that onslaught from other people, she withdrew and deleted the comment. But it appears that she had lost her husband not terribly long ago, and I understand that pain and. And I, I get it, but don't judge from your pain. Don't project your pain or the response to it onto somebody else. And that brings me to the blog, and that brought me to the podcast, because that's what it was all about. And they, they brought up a line, some things cannot be fixed. They can only be carried. And I thought, wow, that doesn't only apply to that, if you really stop and think about it. Some things cannot be fixed. They can only be carried, meaning you can't change what's happened. But you, you have to be able to move forward. You can't keep looking back, but you have to take that with you. That is forever a part of you, whatever the loss might be. It could be physically losing somebody, a spouse or a partner. It could be a divorce. It could be a breakup. It could be losing a job. It could be a lot of those things. But I thought that was an amazing uh, statement. Megan Devine is the author of a book that's called It's Okay That You're Not Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that alone says it. And, and it, it sort of relieves you of some of the burden and the stress you put on yourself of judging yourself even forget what other people think you judge we judge ourselves and the actions we take so i think that's that was the the reason behind the blog and i was just trying to be honest and what i find and i'm sure you do as well rick when you're really honest and genuine with people at the end of the day they appreciate that so much more and you can connect. And I wanted to help people. This wasn't about, oh, because at first people were sort of, oh, I'm so sorry, Chris. And I'm sorry you're feeling down. And it wasn't about that. It was a reflection on what has happened in this process, but also to help other people. And especially this time, you know, there's a lot of loss here. A lot of people have lost a husband or a wife just to this, just to this virus. And, yeah. and dealing with that, and if, if, if I could give them a little way to find strength or at least allow a path to heal. I, I hope it helped a little bit. And that was really the main purpose of the blog. I think that it's pretty admirable that you're willing to put yourself out there because some people are not, and that just is who you are. And I think the one thing that you and I have both learned about some things cannot be fixed. They are just carried. Uh, it reminds me of a Sherpa getting a, a crew up to climb Mount Everest. You know, the Sherpa is really the one uh, responsible for getting them up there and, and all the tools that they're going to need to complete this ascent. I just think that it's imperative that people in situations like you and I are in, which is comfortable speaking, it's taken a while to get comfortable acknowledging 
But I think that if we can help other people along the way, there is something to be gained by that. I know it makes me feel better whenever I meet people with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. And I kind of shake my head and say, when they say, oh, you're such an inspiration. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not Mother Teresa. And I appreciate that. But Chris, I would say that you are such an inspiration. I mean, without blowing smoke up each other's ass. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you inspire me. And I know I inspire you because we continue to fight the good fight. Yeah. And I, I think people love or appreciate knowing they have somebody else that's fighting the same battles or they can identify with. There's there's always strength in number. There's there's just a, and, and I, that that strength, meaning inner strength, not strength to, a, you know, climb a mountain per se. But it, it's important to know that other people are suffering. I don't ever like to hear. And I've had instances in my life where people finally open up and I realized they've been suffering in silence for so many years, not expressing what they're feeling, where their pain is. And that's part of the problem we have. And I think we could get past a lot of issues in life. And I mean, across the board and everything, if we were just a little more open, a little more honest, not be afraid to show the chinks in the armor. This is not me preaching from a pulpit. I am by far not a perfect person. I'm just sharing my experience because sometimes and I've had this happen when I project these types of stories out there. There'll be somebody that will try to judge me for something I had done wrong in my past. And I'm like, but that has nothing to do with it. I, I'm not denying having made mistakes in my life. I'm just saying I've learned from them. And this is how I hope this story can help you. But there's always angry people out there who will continue to judge. That's just that's just the way it is. Yeah. And the thing is, and this is part of what I feel I've learned as I've gotten older is, there's nothing wrong in making mistakes. The thing that's wrong is not recognizing that you've made a mistake and then being able to accept responsibility for your actions. And um, it's taken me a long time to be able to, to absorb the pain and the suffering that comes with being a human being on this planet, especially going through what we've gone through for the past eight months. But, you know, let's be honest, think about, how we're raised as children, where, you know, if you do something wrong, you know, you're going to hear something negative. So what do you do? You try to hide it. You try to deflect it. Nobody, in, and this is not to fault any form of parenting. It's a process in society that we're going through. It's not to say when, when, when you do something wrong, somebody says, hey, okay, good job and let it go. But instead of just coming down so hard and so strong in a negative way, we really probably should be searching as to why that action was taken, what made you do it, understand it, and that maybe then we learn instead of hiding our faults, we're okay in misstepping and talking about it and trying to go, hey, where did that come? Why did I just do that? Why did I say that to that person? Why did I behave that way? As opposed to trying to hide it. Because we know we've got people out there in very big, big high profile places right now who are trying to hide a lot of stuff. No names will be mentioned. <laughs> One of the things that I've really enjoyed about this pandemic is discovering new things on television that I otherwise would not have paid any attention to, i.e. Netflix. Never watched it, never wanted to pay for it. Was always one of those people that didn't believe that you needed to pay for TV or radio to hear music. And now Netflix has become such a part of my day-to-day. -day. And the reason I bring that up is because in talking, 
the Michael Douglas, Alan Arkin show, the Kaminsky method mm. has become such a common ground for what you and I are talking about. And they're a little bit older in life, but the characters are so rich and the script and the writing are so real talking about what we all go through and what you were just alluding to. And that is trying to, you know, shove stuff under the carpet. Yeah. I mean, that, those two guys, by the way, and that that's been out for a while. You've just discovered that uh, my girlfriend, Edmie and I, we motored through uh, that show. It was so good. Oh my God. So well done. The two of them, you know, well, well past really, I guess what you call the peaks of their career, Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin, are at the top of their game in that show. The, those guys, if you have not watched the show and you're listening right now and you have Netflix, Kaminsky Method, watch it. It's amazing. It's it's two actors and even the rest of the ensemble is amazing. Yeah. But they are at the top of their game. They're so genuine it's just great performances on both sides and just a great storyline. It really is a, an interesting storyline and one that's really uh, so well portrayed right to the heart. It's very genuine. I love Alex, the waiter in the restaurant. Shaking oh, <laughs> <laughs> as he brings the martini. Yeah. <laughs> He's, <not going laughs> He's about 106 years old. Yeah. It's, uh, what a great, what a great character that is though. No, every, everybody in that show was great. Absolutely. It's so Hollywood. We're sorry we're boring you with us being the guest today, but we do have more guests lined up down the road, but we wanted to keep consistency, I think, with the show, and we had some things to talk about today. There's a lot going on, and uh, like I said, this is therapeutic and cathartic, and uh, I find myself breathing easier when we do one of these sessions. I think well, you know, is- we've finally dabbled, I think, probably much later into this podcast uh where are we on 29 today we, uh, we we're probably trying to avoid i think for the most part political things and and i still don't like to get too deep into it because it gets uh starts to isolate people or agitate people and i don't really want to do that but a good friend of mine that i've known since 1983 actually uh, just started a podcast and just a quick shout out to him and his podcast and it's called nopo n-o-p-o no politics so the whole podcast you're not allowed to talk about politics but if I may jump the gun, one of the, one of the topics that they had me discuss, have you heard of turbo relationships? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like fast tracking everything. And apparently during this pandemic, that's what's going on, that people are jumping into relationships faster. They're getting engaged. They're moving in with each other. And I find that, I mean, you kind of understand it, but then you scratch your head and wonder, uh, what happens when this pandemic is over? And it will be, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious what you think about people speeding up a relationship and, and what's behind it because we're in this pandemic. Well, it's interesting because I think a lot of it is people have been surrounded by so much death, doom and gloom that mm-hmm. they're thinking, well, I don't want to go through this by myself. So Screw it. I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air and see who might want to dance. And if they want to dance, then we'll see if we can make this work. I don't have a problem with people wanting to be with other people. I totally understand that. By the same token, I remember laughing early on in the quarantine thinking um, my wife and I were spending countless hours together that we'd never spent that much time together in the 20 years we've been together. And I remembered thinking, thank goodness that this is good, 
because if it weren't good, I have to imagine what the divorce rate was going to be like going through the pandemic and people, you know, stuff that would normally make you insane that you would let go by that you were all of a sudden no longer willing to tolerate. So that's the other side of the extreme. But I don't know. I mean, I think that people are are reacting somewhat scared and and looking at the the hourglass and the sands dripping through it and saying, what am I doing? Maybe it's time for me to settle down. And who did we talk to? Peter Greenberg a couple of weeks ago. Remember, and Peter was confirmed bachelor, and then he found the love of his life. And this was long before the pandemic. I was going to say, yeah, that was it wasn't pandemic driven, but I think I think part of it just is that you know the removal from all the socialization for such a period of time when the pandemic hit. I think it's an emotional reaction to just needing comfort and closeness. And so, if there's somebody nearby that you're with at that time, you start to see the positive elements instead of going, well, you know, he clicks the fork on his teeth when he eats or he <laughs> rolls up the napkin the wrong way and puts it over there. I, I think when it's open game and you know, you can move on to the next one and the next one and the next one, you can be picky. I think now just having the desire of just having somebody with you nearby sharing, sitting, watching Netflix or whatever it would be because of the loss of all of the other elements of socialization, just the experience of going to work, going out after work, going out with friends on the weekend somewhere that was taken away. So if you're with somebody you feel safe with, I guess, you know, that's a good idea. My, my concern is like a couple of years from now, we're, we're going to have an outbreak of what I'm calling. What was I thinking? Well, yeah, it's called PPDs, post-pandemic divorces. You know, it's like, <laughs> look at the person, like uh, maybe I overreacted. Maybe yeah. I got caught up in the moment. But uh, so, you know what? I have a great analogy for you because to me, it's like musical chairs and everybody is dancing around the chairs while the music's playing. And then mm-hmm. they stop the music and you got to find a chair quick to sit on. And I liken the pandemic to having the music stop somewhat. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me, you remember the Seinfeld episode it was one of the last ones where they're on the private plane and then the plane starts to go down and Jerry is about to confess, I think, finally to Elaine that all along he's always loved her. But just as he's about to say it, the plane levels off and, you know, ah, you know what, never mind. Yeah. What were you going to say? Never mind. And I have a feeling like that's what this feels like. I think you're right. People feel like they're on this sinking ship i better hold on and grab on to what i have because i don't know how much longer i'm going to have anything i i think that's a little panicky um but you know let's be honest the anxiety and the fear that we've been dealing with and that's been inundating us via actuality reality and maybe also fabricated a bit by the media and etc has put people in a very, very anxious position. And so maybe one of the reactions to anxiety is to cling to somebody. And it's the person who's closest at the moment. <laughs> we'll see. Closest and, and, and receptive and happy to be yeah. clung to. But again, you know, this could be all good. And I'm sure a lot of these relationships actually will end up in a very positive way. But it's just a, an interesting thing to see, again, when something this significant happens to us, as a society, uh, all the different things, all the, the, the fallout. And some of this, you know, as we've talked about before, will be permanent. There will be permanent shifts in the way we live, even after things get back to 
healthy. Let's call it, I wouldn't, I won't call it normal. I'll just call it, you know, when, when we're a relatively healthy society again, it'll be interesting to see the, the things that have happened during the pandemic that stick and stay and the things that uh, won't or how they'll be altered. We'll, we'll find out soon enough, I guess. I hope. I always used to think of myself as a glass half full kind of guy. Mm. Um, and uh, I just don't know how I feel about life right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to stay optimistic. What I just find is that I've kind of kicked into this neutral thing. If I were a car and I, and, and I had gears, I guess I'm not in reverse. I'm not in drive. Not quite in park. I'm somewhere between park and neutral, meaning that I've just kind of leveled off emotionally with everything. I don't get too excited about anything. I don't feel optimistic about anything. I'm not jumping off a bridge. But it's just that feeling of everything kind of shut down for now because there's really not much we can we can't do much about this other than you and I are sitting here spewing about it, you know. But and that's that's a good thing that we have a place to talk and a platform to talk about it. And hopefully other people, you know, it brings them a little comfort to realize, hey, I'm not alone in feeling this way. Uh, it's I think it's pretty normal. It's that great Warren Zevon album. Back in the 70s, you're never alone with a schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not, you know, I don't want to believe me. I've gotten you, you bring that term up and in, in, in a joking way and to show in a world that we now live in. Right. PC-ness. Uh, I once not long ago described because the weather was going all over the place. It would be 60. The next day was it dropped to 20 and it was snowing. And then two days later it was back to 60. And I said, you know, the schizophrenic weather really needs to, you know, get on track. And somebody obviously who is either dealing with it or dealing with a loved one dealing with schizophrenia, which is a very serious illness and a, no disrespect. They thought I was being disrespectful and it was yeah. just a used to describe. And that's the world we live in. You know, you, you bring up our, our guest, uh, our last guest, uh, you know, uh, Billy, Billy writing Van Zant, who was writing sitcoms and working with some very funny people. And one of them was Don Rickles. So over the last week, for some reason, I decided, oh, you know, let me dig up some old, you go on YouTube, you go down the YouTube rabbit hole and start finding all the old Rickles things. And I'm watching him host Saturday Night Live and all the appearances on Carson and the, the roasts, the Dean Martin roasts. And man, the stuff that they would say. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it was funny and was supposed to be funny. And boy, today that would never happen. No way. No way. Yeah. And you people who've had careers ruined comedians just because they went back and looked at a, a tweet from uh, two years ago that sounded a little off color in some shape or form or uh, homophobic or racist or whatever. And it's, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I understand it. I appreciate it. I think we need to be careful, but we also need to lighten up a little bit and, and be able to have some fun with who we are. Uh, I don't, I don't like when those things, comedy should not give reason for ignorant behavior. So if I want to make a joke about an Italian, that's okay. But that joke then shouldn't be taken to the next step where somebody says, well, what Chris said as a joke, every Italian is that and, and start treating them that way and, and start, you know, isolating them because they're Italian. It's that would be ridiculous. But that's where we are today. I think that's why everybody's so afraid to say anything. Yeah. And you know, when, uh, when I was in graduate school for social work, I came up, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I caught a lot of crap for it. Um, 
I thought that the school should have a mascot and that the mascot should be a bipolar bear. <laughs> Needless to say. Uh, oh, good Lord. No, no. It died right there. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for playing. Sorry about that. On well, that note, maybe we should get out of here. I think we should. But now we, <laughs> we've fringed offended people. That's time to go. Okay. That's when you leave. That's when you leave the party, as they say. That's but, a check, uh, please. Exactly. But with that, uh, next show we will have a guest lined up for you as well. Again, uh, check us out at believe.com. Uh, that's our Believe Podcast Network. You can of course find us on on Spotify and Stitcher and iTunes and all that good stuff too. But I will say, in all of this bleakness, <laughs> sunshine yeah. always. And I shall say, be good, feel good, which, yes, came off the back of a Lionel Richie song in the early 80s uh, all night long. Be good, feel good. And I hope you are good. Thanks for being with us. Have a good day. All night long, all night. We'll cut that part. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.